Hey, everybody, and welcome to My EdTech Life. It is Wednesday. It is midweek. It is almost Friday. So thank you so much for those of you that are tuning in tonight, watching us here with our amazing guest that we have here today. And I'm just really excited uh, for Rochelle to be here today. And it's just been a, a pleasure to get to know her follow her on Twitter and just uh, get to learn a lot from her. So guys, today it's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking about uh, one of her books that I recently read. So it's amazing, guys, that I finished reading a book and now I have an, the author of the book here on the show. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us here today on My EdTech Life. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. How are you today? I'm great. It's uh, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in almost like a year since I think TCEA, but uh, I do have to say that intro that you had there was pretty awesome. I was I love the music. It was very cool. So thanks for having me today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And you're the first guest with the new intro yeah. that I, I was just like, oh, I want to put this out there and just share it with everybody. But I said, no, 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 I'm going to hold on to it. For the show. And so uh, I really want to give a shout out to Ismael Martinez. He is an amazing creator here from the Rio Grande Valley and their 956 area code. And uh, you can find him on Life Through Lens 2017 on Instagram. So thank you, Ismael, for just doing amazing work. And I'm really excited to continue working with you. So, okay. So let's go ahead and dive in. So, real quick, for those of you that are new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much to all our supporters. You can find us here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitch, also streaming live. And now to Rochelle. Again, Rochelle is just an amazing, amazing person. So just in case, just here's a little background about Rochelle. Rochelle is an emerging technology presenter which I, I have been blessed to have the opportunity to present, to present alongside her at TCEA. She is a Spanish STEAM teacher, author, and lawyer. So imagine that, all of that wrapped up in this package that we see here today. Rochelle, we were talking earlier, it's like, how do you do it? How do you find time to do all of this? But Maybe that'll be a different show. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, you said emerging technology and the presenting. It, I started to laugh because I remember the day that I, at TCA, I walked in to check on to see if Jamie needed anything. And then she just made me go up and like help out. Like, okay, didn't see that coming. So, yeah. So, shout out to Jamie uh, Donnelly. I know, uh, you know, she's been amazing. Same thing happened there at TCA. I just stopped her and then she's like, hey, what are you doing right now? You want to come up with me? I was like, okay, sure. So in the similar way, we ended up all three of us on the stage presenting that day. So that was great. Was, yep. <laughs> all right. So Rochelle, um, you know, again, uh, I'm really excited. I I did uh, get your book. I, I read it. Uh, this book, Unconventional, and I'll let you let the audience or let our audience know where they can find it, you know, towards the end of the show. But this book right here, guys, if you can see it, Unconventional Ways to Thrive in EDU, definitely a book that I really recommend to all my educator friends that may have never read it or are curious, just if you want a good book with some great reading and great strategies, Rochelle does an amazing job in this book um, and in her writing. And she has uh, what two other books, three other books that that you have available to as well? Yeah, a couple. I think uh, I'm. Up, I just had my fifth one come out a couple weeks ago. So yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I so, like to write. <laughs> yeah, so definitely look her up on Amazon. But Rochelle, I wanted to talk a little bit about this book and a lot of the things that definitely uh, just resonated with me. And from the time that I opened the book, and and I'm being very sincere here, from the time that I opened the book till I flipped to the last page. You know, I was able to identify myself in some aspect, not only to you as far as the way your experience, but I also learned so much and gained so much uh, from what was written, strategies, ideas, different ways of seeing things that maybe I had never seen before. And it was just a really great experience altogether. And one of the things that I want to start off with uh, as far as talking about the book is you start up right off the bat with something that I believe is really, really important. And I know we talked back, uh, you know, before the show saying, you know, I know we talk about this a lot. 
Um, you know, maybe the topic can be overdone, but you know, there might be somebody listening today for the first time and maybe hearing something and may be able to learn or gain something from our conversation, but it's on uh, definitely building relationships. Relationships are the foundation. Uh, through your experience in teaching, uh, Rochelle, can you give us a, just a, a little bit of your experience as far as uh, relationship building and the the good that comes from that in your classroom or now even through virtual instruction? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, over the, the course of my teaching career, which spans a lot of years at this point, I never say a specific number, honestly, because I kind of forget because time goes so fast. But I know when I started teaching, I mean, I was building relationships with students and, um, you know, for the first like a couple of years that I taught, but then for some reason it, I kind of changed and I don't, I really don't know why that was. I think that I felt like I was there to just teach and, you know, that wasn't part of what I should do. I was there to teach at the time French and Spanish and, you know, do everything each day, go on to the next day. But then after a really long time of that happening, you know, I started to notice that my students weren't engaged in class. Um, I also just, I started to feel a little bit differently. And part of it was just my own thinking uh, that, that came to be, but also some of it was because I had some groups of students who, when they were in seventh and eighth grade, um, they would just, it was just a different experience. You know, they would joke around a little bit and whether or not I wanted them to, to do this, like, they pulled me into whatever they, you know, whatever they wanted to change from the lesson, what we were learning. And that started to kind of change my experience because I was like, okay, these students are really interested in learning Spanish and they're excited, but they also want to share like who they are, what their experiences are. And again, like that was uncomfortable for me at first because in, in high school, I didn't really have that, that same experience. I mean, we had some teachers that, you know, greeted you at the door and asked how you were doing. And really, you know, like my French teacher in high school, which was fan one of them was fantastic. You know, how you doing? How's school? How's your classes? Uh, right in your face. Very, she really cared and you knew that. But the rest of my teachers and not that, you know, I'm saying anything poorly against them, but it was just a total different experience from what I had as a student compared to, you know, in my classroom. So I was really not sure how to kind of navigate that. But this group of students just started to, you know, make the connections. And of course they grew on me. And then I found myself really wanting to do more for them, not just in my classroom, but other opportun opportunities where I was finding, you know, technology showcases, um, getting them to do some presentations. And then in doing that, that was like something that started to bond us. And then I started to see all of these other results, like not just within, you know, my experience as a teacher and having those connections and conversations, but also in the way that they were interacting with each other in the classroom. And I thought, okay, this is something here that I need to really focus on more. And then truly it goes back to probably um, my, my whole law school experience because I, I've said this so many times that had it not been for going to law school and so many of the benefits that came from that, I really don't think that I would be, I, I probably can say with almost certainty that I would not still be in teaching. I don't really know what I'd be doing. Maybe I'd be an attorney at this point, but I got to see, I got to experience again, being a student, um, seeing the role of a teacher in a different light and the importance of like mentoring and building those relationships. And so that really started to bring about changes for me in, you know, personally, and then in my classroom with my students. And so since that point, which now has probably been, I mean, law school has been a while, but with, with these students, it's probably like eight or nine years now that that has evolved over time. And so it made a huge difference for me. And that's why I think it's, it is so important to have those relationships, especially now, like where we're not necessarily in the same physical space to set up those connections. And that was a really long answer. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. But it, it's all great. I mean, it, it really truly is something that I believe it is at the most basic, but most important thing that we, even as, as a human being, just, you know, building that relationship, building that rapport. I mean, you're, you're putting your trust in somebody like as a student, I'm going to put my trust in my teacher to make sure that you know, I learned what I need to do. Like, you know, if you're a lawyer, I'm going to put my trust in you that you're going to help me in whatever it is that, you know, I need to get out of or get into or whatever the case is. So relationships are definitely very important. And, uh, you know, just even the teacher, like your experience with those teachers that you had that just would engage you. I mean, they really just made you want to come to class all the time and just to see them and and learn from them because they they engaged you in such a way that inspired you 
you know, they took time to get to know you. And I think one of those things, like you mentioned, you know, you mentioned to yourself, like, I don't know where I would be with if I wasn't teaching, you know, I, I don't know. I tried business. I came into teaching and now I don't even know, like, I, I can't see myself not being in education anymore because I love this, the, the, the fell in love with building those relationships. And although I may be serving in a different capacity, no longer in the classroom, but I'm still building relationships with teachers. I'm building relationships with parents and the community and, uh, you know, to help them out. And I think that's something that is, that is very important. And especially more so now, um, one of my great friends, uh, Devin Rossiter, uh, when this whole virtual learning thing took place, it's he he mentioned something that has always stuck to my head, and he said, "We as teachers or educators, we are guests in those students' homes. So you don't let just anybody in. Like you know, if it's your your house, you're just not going to somebody knocks on the door, you're just going to let them in. You you have to know who it is. You have to trust them. So I believe that that should it works the same way. You know." Whereas a teacher, me being a guest in that student's home, you know, I, I need to also get to know them, build that rapport, build that friendship. And I think that's something that's very important. Yeah, I uh, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking about just specific. I mean, even in the last, let's see, couple of years, I, I had some students who, you know, came back, wrote me letters at the end of the year to thank me for whatever, you know, whatever the way that I was teaching or just the, I, I forget how the one had written it, but it was, it was the nicest, no carpet. I had never gotten those things. And so the first time I got, I'm like, what is this? And then I read it. I mean, I always say my eyes sweat, but I thought, wow, like after all of these years, you know, I guess maybe what I'm doing, the fact that I've kind of, you know, relaxed a little bit and been more open to that, but it was hard at first, but the benefits, you know, especially for me as a language teacher, I'm the only Spanish teacher in my school. And so for some of my students, if they have me in eighth grade for the STEAM course, and then they take Spanish, if they take four years of language or even potentially five, depending on, you know, if they start earlier, I have them for a long time. So it's, a, it, we have to build those relationships. And sometimes it's not always the easiest to do. I mean, there have been times where I've thought of every single thing I could possibly think of. And then just all of a sudden you just have like that quick interaction or you have a conversation. Like I saw the, the one student one time I tried all year, like, what's it going to take? You know, I tried to be like funny or you name it. I tried it. And I just so happened to see that on the floor was the book Ready Player One, which I had read. And I loved that book. It was so nostalgic for me. And I said, whose book is that? And this student said, that's mine. Why? And I went, wow, I love that book. And that was like the biggest change. I thought, oh my gosh, I've been working for like seven months trying for something. And had I not looked down or um, even the student that did the cover for my first book, like just noticing the talent of drawing and doodling and not wanting to say like, why are you drawing in my class or why are you doodling, but recognizing the potential and all these other interests of students and then building that relationship over time. I mean, just what a difference. And you're, you know, you're right. Like now when I say about law school, I, I don't know what else I would do. I might not necessarily always be like in the classroom teaching, but then I think oh, but I would lose so much because I love that, that opportunity to interact with the students and to keep learning myself. So I don't know, far different from what I said years or what I thought many, many years ago. But um, yeah, if you would have told me in high school, you'll be teaching Spanish, I'd be like, but I teach French. So yeah, yeah. Hey, same thing. They're like, uh, you know, I would have Yeah, it's a language. There you go. But see, I, I think uh, along with those lines and the conversations like you're saying, you know, you're building the relationships. It's foundational, uh, you know, they're in the classroom. You're building that community. You're really taking a, a an interest in what the student uh, what the student likes, what what their interests are, and so also it's very important to build that community with or that connection also with family. And I know that that's something that you mentioned in the book as well. And in in my teaching experience in the eleven years in the classroom, I found that the the more you communicate with parents, and and of course. We, we know that there are different types of parents, some that may be a little bit more involved, some that may not be as involved, but the more that you would reach out to them, the more that you would communicate just to, you know, say hello, just to share maybe some great things that their, their child was doing, not necessarily the bad, but to say, hey, you know, I noticed some improvement. It really, just the overall um, 
sense of family and unity and culture in, in my classroom just changed dramatically, you know, trying to connect those pieces. And like I said, coming from a business background, it's like, hey, I got to sell. I got to sell and I got to I got to sell the, the the subject matter to my students. But I also have to sell this unity, this community, this uh, culture to the parents as well. And when they took part of it, I mean, wow, I, I was just really blown away. And so I really like what you talk about in the book, just some of the practical components. Do you mind sharing some of those with our audience members that may be listening? Yeah, for um, for like building those connections with with home. And yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Like, especially, you know, in prior years up until what we're experiencing now, you know, we had those times where parents, families would come into the schools and, but, but they weren't that often, you know, it, your school might do it like an open house or a parent night or maybe a parent teacher conferences, but realistically a calendar schedules don't always match up. And so what you end up, what ends up happening is you miss out those, miss out on these opportunities for parents to come in and for the families to be part of it. And so taking some, you know, using that tech, even though we are so, we got so much tech going on right now, but because we can't do that, it is so simple, but the biggest thing for me was like, one thing I would do every year would be send a survey to find out because some people are like, you know what? I go through emails all day. I don't want another email. You know, I would rather you give me a phone call. And some people say, I don't want to talk on the phone. Just send me a simple email. If I need to call you, I'll call you. And if we can't be like the start of this school year, you know, we were fully virtual. So we didn't have that chance to be in the classroom with our students. We didn't have the open house and having things like, you know, one thing, and I always talk about it, is Buncee, where I can create an about me, which not only introduces the students to me, where they can see me, I can have some goofy video that I record, and that's great for them to see, but also for parents to be able to see, you know, this is the teacher, and you can hear that enthusiasm, you know, versus sending an email that says, this is what my class is about, this is what you can expect, but when they can actually see you and hear your voice and that enthusiasm or whatever the quirkiness is of it that you wanna, you know, the real you, I think that is so important. But then other messaging apps and things that we can use, of course, that parents can have to be a part of so that if they need to know, like, what am I missing? What What is coming up? You know, how can I support my student at home? set those up. I used Remind for years. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, even Flipgrid. Flipgrid is a fantastic tool for so many reasons, but for families to get to know each other too, because that typically tends to be part of it is like the families come in, they get to associate with the other families and you have that support on the outside of the school as well as on the inside of the school. So setting up and helping, you know, students are learning the tech, the, the teachers are setting it up and we're all kind of supporting students together and building that community that's not the in-person, but it helps to foster that development of those those skills and that relationship building that transfers over to the classroom. And I've seen that happen so many times. It's like, you know, students are like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to speak in class. I'm like, okay. So they'll go and record a Flipgrid video, which maybe they've done 10, 15 times. And then they send it to you and you can show it in class and they're fine with it. And I said, but you don't want to, but I practice. It's good. I'm fine with it. And they say it builds their confidence and it's a nice way to communicate. And that is, uh, that's how I started my year. I used Flipgrid. I used Buncee to just say, hey, this is me. I use some of the special effects. I'm sure that there were probably like, oh my gosh, like she got to try out all these things. But, you know, what better way to really introduce who you are and to set up that that foundation for building those relationships than that. And uh, And that's exactly what I would do in my classroom, you know, so. Just a few ideas. That's great. I mean, just that, that reminds me also just, uh, you know, my last couple of years in the classroom doing fifth grade and being able to build that community, like you said, sending messages. Uh, I would use Seesaw yeah. and I would, you know, share everything with the families. So the students would do their work and they love that they would get a genuine response. I mean, you have parents that would put like or they create a video. And then what I would start doing is I would invite parents that were able to come during the class periods, as the students created just presentations, I would just say, hey, here's, you know, what I need. Here are your choices. You can either create work as a group and create a, a you know, slide deck. You can do this other type of presentation, whatever the case was. But uh, one of the things was that they would have to present in front of the class or present, maybe create a video that they would present in front of the class. But we started getting parents coming in and the parents at first it was like, you know, two or three. And then I guess, you know, parents talk and they have their own 
um, channels of communication where they're like, hey, you know, did you know that maybe so-and-so is doing this? So then all of a sudden I started getting more parents. Before you knew it, every time we had an event, parents were bringing in snacks. It was kind of like the t-ball parents, like they would bring in snacks for the class just because everybody participated and did something. And it was just something uh, phenomenal, but it really does uh, help uh, affect or it does affect your classroom in a positive way because everybody's connected. And I think too now you mentioned with so much tech, everybody's learning it together, you know, whether it's the student, the parent also as well, it, it's a community effort. And of, of course you do run into some obstacles and some frustrations, but you know, you, you're working through this together. And I think that that also helps a bit in, in building that uh, community. So that's awesome. That's great. Now let's talk a little bit. Uh, I know I, I, I read some of my favorite topics here and I said, let me speak to the author about this. I'm really excited, but you know, just, passion for knowledge, igniting passion for knowledge. I know, you know, right now, you know, maybe a lot of teachers may feel like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. I, What can I do? I can't do any extra stuff. Um, what are some ways that, you know, now that you've switched over from traditional classroom now to online learning, what are some ways that you still continue to ignite a passion for knowledge uh, with, with your students? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, one thing that I'm trying to think, it's hard to say, it's like, it's almost been a year now since, you know, school's closed and everything. And we're like, all right, everything's online. Like, what do we do? And it didn't matter how much tech use you have been used, having in your classroom or how much technology experience you had, because it was like, okay, what do I do from here? And one thing that I thought that was really a good idea at that point was anything that you thought about doing, but never had time for, or something you've been curious about and you're, ah, I don't have time to get into that or there's too much or I don't know if it would work. The end of the last school year was the best time to do that because I mean, what else, right? We, everything was kind of all over the place. So to just branch out and try something differently. And it's not always about, sorry, it's not always about the technology tools, but it's about, you know, the methods or whatever we're using and project-based learning, for example, is something that I think, or genius hour. Um, choice boards, those types of things where it doesn't matter if you're in the classroom, if you're virtual, if you're hybrid, having all those possibilities where, you know, let's say we're in school today and we go home, we don't have any of our books, we have nothing, no materials. And then we found out, you know what, hey, school's closed for three weeks, which would be like, oh, no, not again. But if we have some of those options, you know, or even if you haven't done that, a quick Google search or go into some of the websites like HyperDocs or something, those they already have, that's the beauty of it. So many of these have so many templates and things available in the library that you really don't have to invest a ton of time. You just have to get something to start. And then, and you all know this too, especially when it comes to like augmented virtual reality creation. I mean, there's so much to know about it. There's no way we can know it all. We just have to know enough and then get the students to start and then just peek over their shoulders to learn like, oh, you know, I've been trying to do that for two months and you just did it. So I learned that much faster. But taking those opportunities to just try some of those that work in either of the environments we might find ourselves in, but also, you know, give students that chance to like make their own decisions or to be curious about something. I had a kid last year for Genius Hour, and I told this story uh, a couple of weeks ago that I wanted them to just, I didn't really care what they did for Genius Hour. You know, are you interested in something? And it was hard for them at first because they're like, but what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to create? What do I study? And I said, whatever you want. So I had a student who took his camera, his phone, and walked around his house and recorded. And he just was like showing things and said, yep, I have all this random stuff and I'm gonna try and put all of these things into something that I create and I'll let you know how that goes. And he, he ended up creating something, but just all of those skills, you know, like he was curious, like, can I do this? Um, he was creative because he built something that was supposed to be like a backpack, backpack cooler, I think it was, with some fans. So it was it was neat to see what he had done, but you know, giving the students a chance to explore something on their own, to be more independent, or if it's using tools that we've already been using, finding different ways to use them because that's the other thing about it is so many of them aren't just like a, a tool for assessment or for creating like, I don't know, an infographic, for example. I mean, we can use them in so many different ways. And my students have come up with so many ways to use some of the tools where I think, wait a minute, I didn't even think about that. Or in other cases, 
I never thought about them being the creators with some of these things, some of these things like a Nearpod. I mean, I had a kid who he didn't want to use technology, didn't want to do a project, just wanted to draw something. And he came in with a Nearpod lesson a couple of years ago that he created. I was like, are you kidding me? Like you didn't want to do any of this stuff. You hate technology, but you're always on your cell phone. But whenever they have that, you know, I said to them, it doesn't matter what you use to create it. You know, here's, here's what I need for you to put into it. You know, it's a verb tense, it's vocab, but how you do that is up to you. And some students need a direction because that open, like, what do I choose from? But then they get started. But then you see, like, they're invested in it. They're curious about it. They're excited mm -hmm. for it. And then it's also good for us because we learn so much more from them and way faster whenever they're the ones that are actually showing us how to do it. So, you know, so many possibilities, but you don't have to, especially with so many things going on, you don't have to do all the things. You just need to find one or two that really enable you to do a lot. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with you on that. Sometimes I think like Mel had just mentioned here, uh, by the way, thank you, Mel, for being here. Mel is an, uh, my Australian friend via Colombia. She's teaching in Colombia. And of course, we have Leslie Altman here who is from Australia. So hi, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. Uh, and I think Mel had mentioned earlier, she said, ah, oh, here we go. Here's her comment. It says, oh, yeah, so many cool tools out there. I think I use too many. <laughs> and and I, think, I think that's what that's what one of the things that we're seeing now is, that, you know, there's so much stuff out there. How do you pick what is the best for your student or to, to learn? And I think for the most part, like you said, you have an idea of what you want them to do. But here are the various tools pick one that you feel comfortable with. And sometimes you're surprised with the things that they come up with. And I, that's one of the aspects of being in the classroom that I loved the most is when I actually learned from my students because we would do one thing in, in our first period class. So we'd be doing there some science and then we'd be introducing some scratch coding uh, or we'd be using the Makey Makey kits uh, to come up and program solar systems. And so I, mind you, I would just put this in their hands and I didn't really know much, but by the time third block or the, my third class at the end of the day came up, man, I looked like an expert, but it was because I had already previously learned from my other students and I loved it. I'd never once did I feel, you know, vulnerable and actually vulnerable. It, it actually helped me out, I guess. Maybe I did feel vulnerable because I didn't know something, but I learned it from my students and we learned it together and they just took off with it. And I mean, I just love that when you see some of those kiddos that don't want to do things a certain way, maybe they don't want to speak, but through a Buncee or through either Flipgrid or even just something like a Google slide presentation or Canva, man, they can speak loudly through those graphics and you still see that the learning took place because you've got a beautiful learning artifact there. Yeah. So yeah, it's just amazing what we're seeing now and, and what students can actually do. You know, if you put just a tool in their hand or giving them some options and just letting them roll with it. I mean, that's where the magic happens. And I, I yeah. love that. Totally agree. So in keeping up with this, because I think that this ties very well with, uh, you know, igniting passion for knowledge, but also on one of the chapters that you talk about here in your book is exploring the world beyond the classroom. But I want to talk this, you know, maybe more uh, for the teachers, our audience that may be out there listening that may be like, well, how else can I engage? How else can I extend lessons? And now that we're not in the four walls, you know, now learning can take place pretty much anywhere because of accessibility to devices. I know maybe the connectivity may not all be there, but for the most part, we can get uh, most of our kids up and running. But for on the teacher side, uh, Rochelle, what are some ways that maybe teachers can start changing their mindset or maybe thinking a little bit more about exploring the world beyond the classroom and, and why that's important for our students. Yeah, it's, uh, I have to think, it goes back to project-based learning a couple of years ago. I mean, as a language teacher, I remember, well, as a language student, wanting, we did pen pals, being old school, you know, write it out, send it, I hope you get a response and the time that that took. And then, a few years ago, we were doing project-based learning and um, we were using Edmodo at the time. And so I just reached out to some of the different educators who, to see if anybody from you know any, Sp any Spanish-speaking country wanted to connect their students with mine 
to kind of just have conversations because my students wanted to ask questions about, you know, what's it like to live there? What are your family customs traditions? And at the, at the, I guess the initial, like, here we go with PBL because I was totally wrong about what PBL was for years. But then whenever we had those connections, you know, it didn't really require a ton of extra time on my part. I just set up that initial, here's my class, here's your class. I set up a group on Edmodo and then the students just interacted and had the questions, posted pictures, asked, you know, whatever it was that they wanted to know about solely written in that space. So it was a, you know, it was great for practicing digital citizenship skills and for building that, like those social connections and relationships with those students. But then we kept, we just added a little bit at a time. And so the next thing we did was two months in, I think I added on Flipgrid. So I remember the day that we got the first Flipgrid video, we sent one to them, but then we got the video back from students in Argentina. And my students, I mean, I was so excited. I had seen it before they came in because it popped up and I'm like, I can't wait for them to come in. But then when they came in and they saw it and they were just, you know, like, wow, like that's the person I've been talking to. And, you know, it's so neat to see them. And then they could see their uniforms and the school and the fact that it was like an open campus. And then one of the students pushed over and had a moped. They're like, why does he have a moped at school? And, you know, their lunch and the fact that, you know, some of them were carrying like they had a big thermos and the kids are like, why are they holding a thermos? I'm like, well, they're drinking mate. And they're like, what's mate? And, you know, just all of these conversations that evolved that it didn't even, it wasn't anything that took my time to create. It was those kids that made that video, their teacher helped them. I mean, they set it up. I think they were sophomores or juniors, but they recorded short videos and we would send them back and forth. And whether the video was like a, you know, 60 second, two minute, the learning and the questions and the curiosity that stemmed from that. I mean, sometimes it took over our entire period, which some people might think, oh, I just lost my whole period. But it was such authentic and like meaningful conversations for them that we just continued to add different tools into it. So like we added in Buncee and my, my students created an About Me where they recorded a short video introduction and shared it with the students in Argentina who then they'd never heard of Buncee. So then they were like, what's this Buncee thing? So they made a Buncee and sent it back to mine who of course were like, why do they get to go home for two hours for lunch? You know, just these different questions. Um, so beyond just that PBL, which I thought, yeah, we're gonna have these you know, global connections. Then they kept adding on these other components to it, building the language skills, but also building their global awareness and you know, social awareness too, which then now ties into social emotional learning. So helping our students to learn more about like, yeah, I want them to learn Spanish. Are they all gonna become Spanish teachers? No, but I guarantee that I will have several at some point. That's why I always tell them like, I didn't think I would be a Spanish teacher in high school. We'll see what happens but they're building skills that are good for now. They're learning the language, but they're also developing technology skills, but more importantly, those social emotional skills that tie in directly to what they'll be doing when they leave high school, if they go on to a four year college or some other career education or get into the world of work. And so that's kind of another long answer for you, but it's just like, it does it, you know, when I look back at the whole process of all of the components of that, for example, there is so much in it, but it wasn't that I did all of that at once because that would have overwhelmed me completely and overwhelmed the students. They've been like, why do we gotta do so much stuff? But just adding one thing at a time and seeing where it went. So then at the end of the year, we ended up with a Skype and just having all of that technology and building so much of you know the knowledge base but that awareness, developing empathy. I mean, there were so many components that, that, added, that came, became part of that, that it's like, wow, all that really took was me setting up that initial Edmodo and a couple other steps along the way. And I had students come back that said, you know what, like I've never had a learning experience like that. I was able to learn so much by asking that one student specific questions, you know, what's it like to live there? And then the other part of it that was just blew me away was students said, you know, I really stopped caring about the grade. I just wanted to know what was I gonna learn next? What could I do next? And then, you know, the next step of that was um, learning about the sustainable development goals. And, you know, I have students who are in some different um, groups in my school, like Model United Nations, who really care a lot about what they're learning. And the fact that they could then bring that into Spanish, it was like, I mean, it was a lot. And I just thought, I wish I could have done that, you know, long ago. But we also did bring in the VR with that because Nearpod was one of them. And they created a trip for the students in Argentina to come to Pittsburgh. And, you know, like, hey, here's what you can see. and. Uh, same thing happened. The students in Argentina said, what's this Nearpod thing? And they made a come to Argentina trip. So it's a lot. Like I just dumped a lot of like tools <laughs> and ideas. But the whole thing is like 
I wish I would have done that sooner because in my mind, I thought it was just this really big process, which it is if you do it all at once. And that's, I think the lesson is like, you don't have to do all the things at the same time. You just have to start with one thing, one idea and let the kids take it in their own direction. You know, pick an AR VR tool, show them this is what it is. And I tell you what, and you, you probably say the same thing is like, you're ready to say, okay, now what you want to do is go here. And meanwhile, they've got some like dancing thing around you that they've already Snapchatted probably to all of their friends. And you haven't even finished telling them how to set up an account. So it's like, you just got to start, let them go and um, cross your fingers that it's not all out there on social media. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. No, but I, I really loved everything that you said because uh, uh, I did have a previous guest, Pedro Aparicio. We did a, a show in Spanish and he has a project called Aulas Conectadas, which is, you know, connected classrooms. And he definitely explained the same thing. You know, he, uh, in his classroom, what they do is they'll connect with somebody from South America. They learn about their culture and it's just a, a nice cultural exchange, uh, lessons, uh, customs, uh, everything. And just the way that you described it. And he said, it just started with just one tool, one idea, and the same reaction, the way that you explained it is his, his kids were just so like, what's next? Like, what else can we do? When else can we meet? Can we do this? You know, and just the, that sharing of ideas. And I know Leslie puts a wonderful comment here. Uh, Leslie says, global conversation sparks so much interest in students of all ages. So, you know, there's definitely a lot to be said about now, at least with technology, you know, being available to us now to be able to meet with classrooms all over the world and continue to learn and learn from one another. It's definitely something that that is great. And like you said, starting with one tool, teachers may feel a little uncomfortable at first because they may not know the tool. But like you said, hey, you just got to know a little bit, let the students work with it, see where that takes you. And you're, again, building that community and working on something that is amazing. So that's definitely, definitely amazing. Now, last thing, you know, that I want to talk about today, uh, and uh, then that way we'll let all our audience members know where they can find your, your, uh, your amazing books. And this one definitely is, is one of the ones that I, I highly recommend. And the only reason I say that is because I still need the other, read the other two, but I'm going to read those two. But I wanted to talk about, um, you have a chapter here about surrounding ourselves and this is more, you know, for educators. And, and this is something that I really love. You know, I'm all about the PLF, personal learning family. That's what I call it. People call it the PLN, PLCs, whatever. But I, I to me, everybody's family, you know, you're part of my PLF because you're here on the show and anybody that connects with me, but surrounding ourselves. Now, we talked about this a little bit too prior to the show and Dr. Dan Krynas was here, uh, who's also one of you do a show together. Um, so, and that show's great, by the way, it's really awesome. And uh, so he mentioned, and and he quoted George Coros and saying, you know, uh, now, you know, if te- well, I'm going to misquote, but something along that line where nowadays, you know, if teachers choose to work in isolation, that's, that's kind of on them, you know, sort of, you know, in, in other words, we need to kind of get out of that mode and and know that there is a world out there outside of just our silos in our classroom. But now we have access to other educators. And I definitely love to surround myself with people that are knowledgeable, that are maybe subject matter experts in their fields, such as you, you know, as far as authoring, as far as what you've done, you know, through through the use of technology, immersive technology, the things you do, my global GEG family, you know, that continues to grow. And uh, so for me, it's been a huge benefit to connect. Now, uh, Rochelle, in your book, you explain this too as well. Can you tell us maybe at first how you started, maybe the very first connection that you made, if you can, you know, remember that? Yeah, I, uh, and it's funny that we talk about this because, you know, I have a podcast where I basically talk to myself and entertain myself in a conversation. And I, I did one today and it was all about like connecting a PLN and where to get started. But, uh, you know, for many years, I, like I told, like I said before, is I kept to myself, you know, for 
gosh, 20 years ago teaching, you know, we didn't have all the technology. We didn't have all the social media networks and platforms that we could use to connect anytime from anywhere. And so we were limited to, you know, teachers in our school or if we went to conferences, somebody locally, um, friends of ours, maybe from high school, college that were teachers that you kind of connected with. But even doing that, finding the time to do that was, you know, at the end of a school day, you're just like, I'm done. You know, I just want the quiet time. But now when I think back to when I actually first became connected, you know, I didn't want to get Twitter or Facebook or any of those things. I totally misunderstood them. I just thought they were for you know, sharing. This is what I'm eating. This is where I am. This is what I'm doing or for celebrities. I mean, that was just my very limited interaction with any of them. And uh, the first one I got was Facebook because I needed to plan high school reunions and uh, somebody said, well, why don't you just get on Facebook? And I said, I don't want Facebook. I don't, I don't need all of that. And they said, but how are you going to find like 600 classmates? I said, well, I'm just going to look in the phone book. They were like, what do you mean a phone book? I go, what's wrong with the phone book? They said, you know, people get married. They don't necessarily still live here. So you need a better plan. And so I got on Facebook and that really did connect me with, you know, friends, family, um, people from when I was a kid. But in terms of, you know, educational networks, it wasn't until probably 2014 officially was when in my, in my state, principals could recommend teachers to become, uh, to get this nomination to be a, a technology innovator. And so my principal had nominated me and I was chosen. And then you had to fill out this, you know, other application form. And then they chose 100 educators in Pennsylvania to go to this week long summit at a university where, I mean, there were so many, you were busy from morning until way late at night because they put you into cohorts and there were all these activities to build your skills, to develop, you know, tech skills, but also to become more connected. And I did a presentation and somebody said, what's your Twitter handle? I was like, I have no idea. And I, and I had one from years ago because a friend had sent a message and I couldn't see it unless I created an account. So I created that account. But after that point, I then decided, you know, okay, I'll give this a go. I made the first account, which is the one I still have now and checked out Twitter chats. And the first chat that I got into was called Wiley Ed chat. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about TweetDeck, but it ended up being a group of educators from Tennessee. And one of the questions was like, so what part of Tennessee are you from? I was like, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I had no idea. But that group was like the first group. And I joined in that chat. I think it was Wednesday nights. Joined in that chat every week. And then that kind of evolved into, you know, the beginning of 2015, which was then my first time I'd gone to ISTE. It was in Philadelphia. And for me, that whole perception of like, I'm talking to these people online. It brought back the memories of like AOL instant messaging and chat rooms. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. You know, are these real people? Are these chat bots? I, I didn't think that bad until now with the AI. And I remember just being at the conference and I was overwhelmed because there were so many people there. But then I took a few steps and people were like, hey, you know, aren't you? And then you started, you had those, those friendships, which you already had the friendship, but having that in person. And then since that time, I just started to kind of add on different networks and to build and to get more involved. And now I know what Twitter chats are about. I know all about TweetDeck. And um, I only wish that I had done that sooner because I think of all that I've gained in my life personally and professionally from those connections and what a difference it has made. But then I also think about how many opportunities that I lose because I, I chose to not connect in those ways beyond like a language teachers conference, for example. And so I, I recommend, you know, anybody who isn't on Twitter, I mean, you don't have to do all of them. There are, there are so many now with Clubhouse, which is another one that's so yes. popular, which I don't have an iPhone, but maybe on my iPad, but uh, just finding something, especially now when, you know, if we're not in our classrooms and we are teaching from home or hybrid, we don't, we're not interacting in the same ways that we were. And thankfully we have this tech, the computers with the Zoom, even if we are Zoomed out or Skyped out or whatever, it's still so nice to have those connections, to have the conversations where you don't feel like it's been so long since you've seen somebody. And so it's amazing to think like, just by creating that one Twitter account, like how many other people that have, come, like Jamie, for example, we'll talk about Jamie Donnelly. Yes. Her yes. and many of my other, my best friends are people that I met <laughs> through, through Twitter. And um, I have really good friends who I have not had the chance to meet yet in person. And I just think like, I talk to some of them every single day. And if I if I didn't have any of them, you know, I'd be so lonely at this point. So I, I wouldn't know you from any of these connections either. And uh, it's just all about those opportunities. And so 
it's it's a choice that we if we make that choice to not connect, it's also a choice we're making kind of for our students and everybody we work with because we have that potential to bring in so many new ideas or to find the support where we're frustrated or we feel like, you know what, I'm not cut out for teaching. I, I don't need to do this or I shouldn't be doing this. And then you just have that one person even that says, hey, wait a minute, like slow down. And you can talk to him because what you're experiencing, there's somebody else out there that's experiencing it. And you need to also tell your story and share that because it might just be that what that one person needs. So yes, I don't know. I, I rewind and I think like I wrote a series of like five blog posts years ago about like, and I was wrong about this one and I was wrong about that one. So <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, I, and I agree with you. I mean, it's just so great to be connected with so many because if it wasn't for those Twitter chats, uh, AR, VR, and EDU, yeah. uh, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to to meet you. And then, of course, get pulled up on stage by Jamie and presenting together. And now you're a guest on the show. And I'm just so excited because you, we, I just continue learning from you. That connection that you make is just a, a friendship that, you know, I, I would have never made that uh, here, you know, I, I mean, and that sounds weird, but, uh, you know, you do have your PLCs here, but I, I want people to know that, I mean, it can start with something local, just like your school, then you yeah. can go state level, national, and even global level. I mean, everybody is pretty much a Twitter handle away, one tweet away, a DM away from helping or, you know, answering any questions. And sometimes, you know, like I was talking to to Rochelle earlier, is maybe sometimes as educators or or teachers, we may feel uh, a little intimidated because somebody might be edu famous. They, you know, they have more than a thousand followers and you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to answer. But you know what? I, I've lost that fear. And sometimes I'll just reach out to people and, you know, people are so approachable and so kind yeah. and so nice and they're always willing to help. And that's definitely something amazing. All right, my friend. Well, I would like for you to take a little bit of time here, Rochelle, to let our audience members know that are listening or are doing will rewatch the show where they can go ahead and find not only unconventional, but the rest of uh, your books that you have. Yeah. So uh, all books are on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But now so funny. <laughs> but I also do. I've been doing just like my own little author special because I like to. I have. I buy the books and then I can, you know, sign the books. I can send some stickers in them and all of that. So I love doing that. And I just got some copies. Yay! Of uh, <laughs> thank you of my newest book. Actually, they just came in the mail um, yesterday. So I was sending out some books today. But I do have. I could probably. I'll drop it in the chat for you too. But I, I try to make bitlies that are easy for me to remember. But if anybody would so happen to want, because I've been like bundling them together too, because like the, the in other words, is a book which you don't have to even be an educator to read it because of the quotes and the stories. But especially now, I love that we were talking about unconventional because if anybody's been thinking, you know, I would like to try ARVR, I don't know where to start and I don't have the time. Like, seriously, I've done all the groundwork for you because <laughs> I put it into like the easy steps. Here's what it looks like. Or uh, my book with ISTE, the Charanu course, same thing. You know, I have stories from students and I have stories from other educators because I want to save that time. You know, like that's my whole motivation is if I can save you the time so you can just go and do it, then that's what I, that's what uh, my, my inspiration is about or my, my passion is for, I should say. So yeah, would, uh, would love to hear if anybody's reading the books. If you have other ideas to share, please let me know because always yeah. looking for ideas. Awesome, Rochelle. And uh, where else can maybe our audience members listen to you as well? Well, let's see my own podcast. <laughs> if you, if you want to do that, but but really, one of my favorite things is on Mondays and Fridays in my Thrive in EDU community, of which you are a member, um, Melody McAllister and I go live. And sometimes it's just us. And sometimes we, most of the time we have a guest talking about education, having some fun. And so I definitely invite everybody to join that as well, because it's a good space to just share what you're doing. If you're writing a blog, if you read a blog, if you're presenting on something, if you're completely frustrated, you just want to ask you know, a funny question, that is the space to do it in. So definitely recommend joining our group. Awesome. So guys, there you have it. I mean, thank you so much, Rochelle, for being here. I know uh, you probably got some Twitter chats to get to <laughs> in just a second because it is Wednesday night and Wednesday mm -hmm. night is midweek Twitter chat week of the yeah. week, uh, one of your many. Uh, but again, thank you so much, Rochelle. I really appreciate you taking the time again to be here and just uh, sharing your knowledge, sharing your experience, because 
really, I mean, like I said, this book really resonated with me and I'm glad that I had an opportunity to speak to you, like the person, the the writer, and just get, you you know, run what went through my head as I read this and hear your perspective and you be able to share with our audience members. And um, guys, thank you so much again for your support. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the feedback. I would just like to take this time to thank all our supporters. I'd like to thank uh, Mel. Uh, I'd like to thank all of Global GEG. Thank you so much, Leslie, for being here. Thank you to everybody, all our audience members. But I also want to thank a special guest, um, who sent an anonymous message. I, I really don't know. They just sent it through my pod page. And um, so, but this is what they sent. And guys, you know, if you ever have any feedback or anything, please feel free to share. I mean, we definitely want to make sure that we're bringing you the best that we can. And so here's a nice message that I received from uh, a listener. It says, from an educator to an educator, thank you for inspiring us through this difficult time in education. I thought my spark for teaching was burning out but listening to how other teachers are using technology to reach their students has brought back my flame. Thank you. Guys, you know, That's awesome. I, I don't, <laughs> we don't do that. I don't do this show just so I can become like edu famous or anything. I, I genuinely, what you see is what you get. And the, the show motto is always connecting educators one show at a time. And thank you so much for sending, sending that message. And, giving us your feedback. I, I really love that, you know, we're, we're, what we're doing is definitely helping fan that flame and to continue to fan that flame and, and just continue burning bright for our students. So thank you so much for that wonderful message, guys, uh, all our supporters again, uh, this Friday, guys, we've got a show this Friday. That's right. Usually it's Wednesdays and Saturdays, but we're making an exception Friday night. We are going to have also the amazing Fiona Morrison, and we're going to be talking about STEM education in primaries, or excuse me, yeah, STEM education in primaries or primary grade levels. So that'll be happening uh, this next show coming up on Friday. And we're doing 7 p.m., which will be approximately 10 a.m. in Australia on Saturday. So she's already in the future. So we're really excited about that. And uh, so again, thank you so much, Rochelle. I appreciate you. Thank uh, you. Everybody watching us, hit, uh, hit Rochelle up on that link. I did post it uh, on the comments there on the show. You can rewatch, order her books, and she definitely does a wonderful job at personalizing them. And she does send you some awesome little swag stickers and everything. So again, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we'll see you on Friday night. Bye.